I want to make a declaration this morning. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the person of God at work in the earth today. I believe in the Pentecostal power He imparts to believers to receive and to do the supernatural. This power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and is available to give life and healing to every one of us today. His gifts and His ministries are as powerful and effective today as they ever were. And so we in this place honor, respect, and make room for the Holy Spirit. We do it collectively as a church, and we do it personally as individuals. Can you say amen to that? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the power that it brings into our lives because it's a living thing. You have chosen through your word to reveal yourself to us. Your person, your personality, your thoughts, and the way you think about things in our own lives. We just have to look to your word. That's all we have to do to find out what you think. And then do what you think and do what you say and live the word out day by day. Help us, Lord, today to receive what you have for us. We ask, and I ask personally, Lord, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I am your servant to command. I don't have anything to give apart from what you would give to me that would be worth anyone coming here today for. But we trust you that you will give living bread, that you will bring a word in season and on time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as we said, we don't have our projector this morning. Should be up and running by Wednesday. But um, if you will, you can follow in your Bibles, your devices, whatever you have the scriptures on. Look in the book of Luke, please, in chapter number 6. That's where we will start. Luke chapter 6. I guess it doesn't hurt us sometimes to do church the old-fashioned way, does it? Luke chapter 6, and we're going to start reading with verse 49, read three verses, 47, 48, and 49. Whosoever cometh to me, Jesus is speaking, and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house, and digged deep, and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose... The stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great." In this parable, Jesus teaches us the importance of planning, preparations, and proper action. Three words that are really necessary for us to be successful as a believer. Planning, that's planning God's way. Preparations, and then proper action. I want to ask you a question right in the early part of this message today that I'd like for you just to think about it in your own mind, answer it inside. 
Are you living your life or is life living you? Are you living your life, that which has been prescribed by God, or is life living you? Like a hockey puck, you know, on the, on the ice, that thing could go just in any direction, and it does. Always moving usually, and, and uh, it just depends on who, who hits it, who gets their uh, stick to it. And sometimes I think people maybe feel a little bit like the hockey puck, you know. Don't know who's going to hit me next. I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know where it's going to send me. But it's going to be hard and fast and probably not fun. Well, I want you to know today that there is no way that God ever planned for you to live that kind of a life. It is not his will. It's not his purpose. And no, he's not putting you through the ringer, as we say. Some of you are old enough to know what a ringer is. The rest of you, the Bible says, let him that is ignorant be ignorant still. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It does say that, though. Uh, <coughs> but uh, you may feel like sometimes that things are just, you know, really, really tough. But God did not put you in that place. God's not the one who dictated that you would have all that trouble and all that mess. <clears throat> Many times we get into a mess of our own making. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm going to steal one of Nick's waters. He's a good man. He's generous. <laughs> Hallelujah. But many people, life is living them. They're not really living life. Does everything in your life just happen? Or are you really living with purpose? So that's, that's a lot of what I want to talk to you today about. If we title the message, I would call it the word-based life. Now, I have something here that's really interesting. It's kind of... Uh, uh, kind of a, a, a treasure for me, um, and I don't know how well you can see all this, but these are from 20 years ago, 21 years ago. These are the plans for this building. You can see that's that wall. We're in here, uh, and here's the other elevations of, of the building. I'll let you all take a little look at it. And, of course, down here is the architect's stamp. And so there was a time when none of this was here. None of it was here. There was literally a time when this is all we had. We could look at this and see what we're getting. We could look at this. And, by the way, it won't be all that long. There will be another one of these whole lot better looking, whole lot nicer, whole lot more fancy and all that good stuff, praise the Lord. Uh, but we would never be sitting here today if there hadn't been this. There had to be a plan. There had to be something to work toward. And so... <clears throat> I just want to encourage you 
about your own plan. Maybe it's not on a big piece of poster paper. Maybe it's not professionally drawn by, by an architect. But maybe it's just something that's imprinted in your mind. And even better, it's something maybe you've written down. Maybe you've handwritten it on a piece of paper. Maybe it's stuck on a, a wall or a refrigerator in your house or something like that. But you, you have somewhere that you're going. And if you don't, then you have a very good possibility of being stuck where you are indefinitely. You know, two days ago, we celebrated the great national holiday called Groundhog Day. <laughs> you know, I know that at uh, Thanksgiving we eat turkey, and at Christmas time many times we eat ham. Have you ever wondered why we don't eat groundhog on Groundhog Day? <laughs> if you do that, let me know. Don't have to bring me any. Just, just let me know about it. Praise the Lord. The reason I bring that up is because many of you know that there was a movie years ago called Groundhog Day. And the premise was the same day, he kept living that same day. Bill Murray was the, was the, was the star there. And he kept living the same day over and over and over again. And you know, if you don't have a plan for your life, if you don't have any goals, and I know that word is so overused that probably most people don't really even want to hear the word used again much, but if you don't have any goals and if you don't have any plans, no plan equals no progress. No plan equals no progress. And really life is like the Groundhog Day movie. Every year is kind of the same. It's just a repeat. Same stuff. We just get a little older and, and you know, a few things change around the edges, but basically everything just keeps going. And one of the reasons I believe that a lot of people don't get serious about plans is because maybe they have failed in the past, they've had some goals, they've had some ideas, some places they wanted to go, things they wanted to do, and it just, it just fell apart, they didn't hit it. And then other times I think people just don't see the importance of it, they think that life is just, uh, you know, whatever it is, it is, and and uh, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And so they don't plan. I mean, there's a number of reasons why people don't plan. But one of the things that happens to people is that, and I shared this with the men in our first men's meeting of this year, that many times people overestimate what they can do in the short term. Think about that diet you started the first of the year. They overestimate what they can do in the short term. And they underestimate what they can do in the long term. Think about all the money we didn't save. See, a lot of people think that if they can't see instant results, fast results, that they just don't think they'll bother with it. I mean, after all, what's saving a little money every week or every month? What's it going to do? Or, or what, you know, what does uh, just making a little adjustment to my diet do, or just moving a little bit more, what's that going to do for my health? You see, we, we really underestimate so many times what we can do and what we can have and where we will be long-term, and so we just, we just quit from the get-go. We don't ever start. 
And then many have that frustration, like I said earlier, of, of overestimating what they can do in the near term. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to burn the world up. I'm going to, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it good. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all these good stuff, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lose 10 pounds in three weeks, you know, some foolishness like that. We're going to do this, that, or the other. And then when it doesn't happen, then hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. But I want to tell you that it is very important that you, you have a plan and you set some goals for your life. God's a planner. Anybody who plans the marriage supper of the Lamb 6,000 years in advance is pretty detail-oriented. I mean, God is the ultimate planner. And He wants you to join Him And the good part about it is he has a plan for you. And so he wants to reveal that to you. He wants you to pray that out. He wants you to see it in the word in a general sense. And then he wants you to pray it out in a specific sense for your life individually. And you need to have goals for your health. You need to have goals for your mind. You need to have goals for your finances. You need to have goals for your career. You need to have goals for your education. You need to have goals for your family. You need to have some idea of where you are going. And really, that's a big part of what Jesus was teaching us here in this passage in Luke chapter 6. He is like a man who built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. So he was preparing, he was planning. The man whose house stood, he planned for it to stand. The foundation that Jesus gives here, uh, because this is a parable, the, the, the foundation that Jesus gives us that will withstand the storm is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Building our life on the Word of God. A deep foundation here is not really a deep concept. It's essential and extremely important, but it's not really a deep concept. It's not hard to understand. It is building our life on the Word, and that means two things where the Word's concerned. Number one, that means we're constantly hearing it, and number two, we are constantly doing it. Now, he explains in the parable why this is so vital to us. And that is because the storms of life come to everybody. It doesn't matter how much faith you have, and it doesn't matter how many wonderful proclamations and confessions you make of your faith. And trust me when I say this, I believe in those things to the nth degree. I I know, and I believe, and I practice faith and confession. It is a part of my life. It's a part of my ministry. It's a part of what we do and teach as a church. So I'm not throwing that away and I'm not minimizing it in any way. But what I do want you to know is that your faith is not going to keep you from ever having a storm in your life. And and there are a lot of people who hear a little bit about faith and that's the idea they get. That's what they want to hear. And so in their mind, that's what they hear when they hear somebody teach about faith and victory and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the name of Jesus and the authority of the believer. Some people misunderstand that and think that people like myself and others, that we're teaching that if you could just have enough faith, 
If you could just quote enough scriptures, if you could just pray in tongues long enough, you'll never have another problem. But that is not what we're teaching. And I don't know of a credible minister anywhere that is teaching that. In all the years I've been in ministry, uh, I've never had any of mentor, uh, mentors that I ever had in my life that ever taught that as the way of faith. But yet sometimes, for some reason, people criticize us that that's what we're saying. That if you just had enough faith, you'd never have a problem. Well, I've never said that, and I don't say that because that's not true. The storms of life and the tests will come to all of us. That's one reason you need faith. Now, wisdom can avoid many problems. I mean, just, just having a little wisdom can really help you navigate around and avoid some problems. So thank God for wisdom. But wisdom is not going to cause you to avoid every problem. And also, you need to know this, faith will get you through any problem. Faith will get you through any problem. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is, how bad the doctor's report might be, or the, or the legal opinion may be, or it, it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing or not doing, as the case may be. Your faith will get you through any of them. And really, my message today isn't, isn't uh, really difficult. It isn't complicated. It's not what maybe some people would call deep. But it's so important to understand that the storms and tests will come. And I want you to notice, we've already read the parable, that the same storm came to both houses. The same storm came to both houses. There were two very different outcomes. But it wasn't the storm that determined the outcome. It was the planning and the preparation and the proper action that determined which house would stand. One man heard... And did the word. The second man didn't do. He heard it. Notice verse 49. But he that heareth and doeth not. Both men heard. Both men went through the storm. But only the one who did. Had a house standing when the storm was over. And so I cannot overemphasize today. And tell you. Uh, my heart in such a way to really make you understand how vital it is that you not only hear the word, but that you do the word. Faith is an act. Faith is not just a belief system. Faith is not just an opinion. Faith is just not a thought about what you think is true. Faith is not just something that we wish about. Faith is an act. A deep foundation of hearing and acting on the word will cause you to be able to go through any storm that will ever come into your life. And I'm not up here prophesying to you specifically that some mess is going to happen to you tomorrow or some terrible thing is going to happen next week because that's not what we're looking for and that's not what we're believing for. But I do know this, that there are times in all our lives when you feel like crying. There are times probably in most or all of our lives when maybe your palms get a little sweaty and uh, your nerves kind of uh, begin to move and, and you can sense that things are not right. You're facing a situation that in the natural looks scary, 
Uh, you're facing things. You don't know how you're going to deal with it. You don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, the physical reflexes begin to kick in, the adrenaline and all the rest. And, and you know, your, your blood pressure goes up a bit. Your heart rate increases a bit. You're dealing, you know, with, with a problem. And, and you're dealing with a situation maybe you've never dealt with before. And it's in those times, listen carefully, that if there is faith on the inside, if you have a foundation, it's in those times that that foundation becomes so valuable and it becomes so much of a strength to us because you have something more than your feelings and something more than your emotions and something more than what other people think or say or want to do to base your life on. So let me encourage you with, with a couple of things. Not anything hard, but something that's very important. First of all, find scriptures that deal with the things in your life that you are dealing with. In other words, find a way for God to deal with it. Yeah, he'll use you, and he'll use your mouth, your voice. He'll use faith through you. He, he will lead you about certain things to do. But let him bring you a word through his word to deal with whatever you're dealing with. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words I speak are spirit and life. So this book is a living book, and it's like no other. And if you will find scriptures, and I would say with an S, more than one, if you will find scriptures, because the, the truth is, if you can't find but one scripture that you're going to base what you want or need on, then probably you're not quite sound biblically. In the mouth of two or three witnesses is the biblical principle. Let every word be established. Well, we know we can find more than two or three witnesses for divine healing, more than two or three witnesses for God meeting our needs and prospering us, and more than two or three witnesses for how to walk in love and forgiveness. I mean, we could go on and on down the line, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Find scriptures that deal with what you need or desire. Take the time to look them up. You might say, well, I can quote them. I would encourage you to look them up again. I would encourage you to look at the context that they're in. Make sure that you, you, uh, make sure that you surround that promise with enough context and, and of what the Scripture is saying till the devil's not going to come around and later on, two hours or three hours or tomorrow, and try to talk you out of it saying, well, that's not really what it means. So we do need to study the Bible, don't we? we? We do need to open the Bible. We do need to run the reference. We do need to check on the, what the words mean. That's an advantage we have as a generation that no other generation has had quite like us, that you can take out, the phone, uh, take out your phone out of your pocket and you can look at a Greek concordance and find out what a word means. Isn't it amazing? Of course, this generation needs it more than any other, I'm sure. But find scriptures that deal with what you need or desire. And then hear the word from those that God places in your life to minister to you. Now, I know that sounds very pastoral and you'd expect a pastor to say such a thing. But if I wasn't a pastor, if I was a traveling minister going around to church to church as a traveling teacher, I would teach the same thing. I would say the same thing. You need to hear the word from people that God has placed in your life to minister to you. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a shepherd because the job of the shepherd is to, one of the jobs is to, is to feed the sheep. 
And sheep need fed in order to be healthy. Sheep need fed in order to grow. And so we all need to feed our faith. And God places people in our lives to help open this book to us. Now what I'm saying is you need to hear the word from two different sources, you might say, or from two different places in your life. Same source, it's the Bible. But you need to hear it from your own Bible, you reading, you you studying, you meditating, and you confessing Scripture. But you also need to hear people who are called and anointed and are in their proper place to minister to you. And, And I would say, and I've said this for years, and I'll say it again today, But, you know, if you can find another place where you're better fed, then there's where you better go. Tell me about it. You know, but we do our best to feed the Word of God where people are living. You know, I heard a fellow tell a story one time about going to a zoo, and he saw these big old baskets up in the trees. And uh, he's wondering what that was about till he saw the giraffe came by and ate out of the basket. So, you know, we need to be fed where we are. Amen. We don't, you know, I know that there's some very interesting subjects and very, uh, some people even like controversial subjects, you know, and, and the debate, the back and forth on certain things uh, from a biblical point of view. And I, I, I get that. Some people just seem to, be, to like that kind of a setting. But you need fed where you are. And you know, if you're battling sickness and disease, what good would it do you if you knew exactly who the Antichrist is and where he is right now, what he's had for breakfast this morning? That's not going to do you any good if you're, if you're afflicted so in your body that you can't function. So, you know, pastors many times are not specialists. They, they don't... Uh, they don't have one or two messages that they can travel around the whole world and all through the country and just kind of hone and fine-tune and get that perfected and, you know, just a, a limited uh, subject. And, and that's fine. You know, I, I know that, that, happen, that that's something that God leads people to do. But pastors can't do that. They've got to feed whatever the Lord gives them. And, and, and all of us are at different places, so it's going to be a varied thing. Amen? So we need... And by the way, what you're smelling is they're making cookies. Uh, We have a guy going to fix the fan over the uh, kitchen and draw that smell out. But until it, you can do like uh, those girls do on TV. Instead of eating it, you can smell it. (laughs) There's no calories in that, you know. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm old, but I'm not decrepit. Amen. (laughs) But we need to feed on the Word of God. Hear the Word from those that God places in our lives to minister to us. Because this principle, we've repeated this so many times, we're going to say it again today, because faith begins where the will of God is known. So we're we're going to open ourselves to be taught the Word, and then we're going to also hear ourselves say it. And I would say that you hearing you is the most important hearing source that you have. Both are important. You need to hear those that God puts in your life to teach and preach to you, but you also 
more than anything, once you've heard from those people, once you've opened your Bible and you've read and you've studied, you need to hear you say the word. And if you are saying the word this hour, and then an hour from now, you're, you're saying the opposite, and your conversation is now filled with unbelief and fear, then this isn't going to work. Because saying the word means you don't say some other things. And I, I have been there, I can't tell you how many times, when I did not know how it was going to work. And it looked like it wasn't working. But we stand here today and declare, God has always been faithful to his word. So I've learned to not speak my doubts, not speak my fears, not speak those negative things the devil is trying to parade in front of me and get me to agree with, but to speak the word of God and the word of God only and to say what God has said. And you can't do that unless you know what he said. You know, you, I can't repeat you unless I first hear what you say. You and I can't repeat God unless we first hear from what he said, from what he has said. So hearing is number one. That's the foundation, hearing. And then the second part of the foundation is doing. Doing is a choice. I said doing the word is a choice. And doing the word is an indicator that we really do believe. It's one thing to talk about what the Bible says. It's a good thing to know what the Bible says. But if we don't do what the Bible says, we will not get the benefits. And you know, people spend a lot of time trying to argue about what the Bible says. And there are people who try their best to find a way not to do the word. I mean, you can actually go today on the internet, you can go on social media, and you'll find people that will argue with you as to why you don't need to or why you shouldn't tithe. There are people who will try to tell you all kinds of crazy things about human sexuality and relationships and all kinds of things like that. People trying their best to do it any other way but God's way. And uh, I can tell you it has never worked and it never will. And I know people don't like to hear that. I mean, they just, you know, we live in a world that does not like absolutes. A world that lives on feelings. A world that lives on slogans. I mean, if you put the right bumper sticker on your car or you wear the right pin on your clothes or, or you, you repeat the, the, uh, the current catchphrase uh, of the day, that, that's, that makes you cool, that makes you accepted, and you're, you're part of the group. Uh, you don't really have to do anything. You just have to say the right thing. And you know, we're talking about confession, saying is important, but you have to do more in the faith life than just say a few things. You've got to actually do some things. And that's a choice. So what does the Bible say about salvation? Does it say there are many ways to God and it really doesn't matter? No, it says Jesus is the only way. 
What does the word say about the Holy Spirit? Well, it says he's the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, the advocate. It says that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. What does the Bible say about your children? Train them up in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. What does the Bible say about your finances? All the scriptures that deal with tithes and offerings and giving and generosity. What does the Bible say about your body? With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What does the Bible say about your mind? He says, think on these things in the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Those things were whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is a good report and so on and so forth. What does the Bible say about forgiveness? That's a big one. It says, if you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. It's pretty, pretty hardcore, pretty uh, matter of fact, but it's just absolutely true. What does the Bible say about prayer? It says, praying with all kinds of prayer, Ephesians 6. And supplication in the Spirit, and watching there too with all perseverance for all saints. Now, I just gave you a few little things there. But when you get that in your spirit and do it, then when the storm comes... And notice verse 48 of Luke chapter 6, if your Bible's still open to there, it says, the stream beat vehemently on, upon that house. In Matthew's account in chapter 7 and verse number 24, I'll read his account of this parable. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. Notice how descriptive it is of the storm. And beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Notice the same words, the same storm, the same set of circumstances. Have you ever wondered why two different people can go through the same situation and one of them comes out on the other side totally messed up and the other comes out on the other side with their faith and their sanity intact and they go on to have an even better life than they had before? It's not the storm that made the difference. It's the foundation they built their life on. It's what they knew and what they did. It's what they said and what they did. And so therefore their plans were Bible plans. Amen? You know, one of the things we do here as a church, we plan. The reason we we broke our records last year is because we started out last year planning to, to ha have the best year ever. And through the year, we kept up with it. Through the year, uh, I, 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 you know, morning after morning after morning after morning before the Lord, just confessing it. Not as a labor uh, type thing, not as a bondage type thing, but just believing Him. And I would encourage you to do that. I know it's not the first Sunday of the year, and maybe this would be a message you think you'd hear on the first Sunday of January, but we're early in the year. Where are you going to be this time next year? What's Christmas going to look like? 
You know, sometimes I'll just, it'll be July. I ask Glenn, I say, what do you want for Christmas? She don't always get what she says. <laughs> but, you know, what's your goals? What are your plans? And I know this sounds like, you know, this is not a very deep message, but that's my message for today. What's the Lord leading you into? Where are your interests? Where, do you, where would you like to go? What would you, where would you like to be at the end of this year? You know, one of the secrets to this church being so blessed is that we have a giving goal. Just like we have a goal for income. And what we've learned is that if we will make it our business to keep our giving where it should be, God always brings the income to make that happen. And so I know it'll work for you. I know it works for, for Glenna and me. Focus on your giving. Increase your giving as the Lord leads you. Maybe it's a dollar. Maybe it's five dollars. Maybe it's ten. Maybe it's twenty. I don't know. But unless you want the Groundhog Day experience, unless you just want life to stay the same, you're going to have to move out of the place where you are. And when you do, you're going to find the next level of life is so nice and so much more that you wonder why I didn't do this sooner. You know, probably everybody has some regrets. Not that we sit up at night and weep over it. And not that we, you know, need to get on um, some kind of medication for it because we're mentally ill about it. But the fact is, most of us probably look back, if we've lived very long, and we look back at things we wish we'd have done differently we wish we would have done that maybe we didn't ever do, or vice versa. And I can tell you that, that one of the things I realize is I wish I would have gotten a hold of some of these truths way earlier. Because uh, I don't know where I'd be. As old saying used to be, where I came from, I'd, I'd be a hard cat to clean after, I guess. Because I'd be way ahead of where I am. Praise the Lord. I just say those things for Nick Cornwell, just so he can have another something to record. <laughs> Are you blessed? Yes. Well, I'd like for you to take a moment. And this, what I'm preaching today can't be done in 30 seconds. You need to wait before God until you've heard from the Lord. Then pursue whatever you're led to do with all your might. Don't half do it. Don't make commitments you're not willing to keep. Stir yourself until you're ready. Sometimes people, I know this sounds strange coming from a pastor, but sometimes people pray too quickly about certain issues. They need to be grounded in the word first. They need to make up their mind. Are you really going to go for this? Because you don't want to set goals that are unrealistic, that are foolish. You, you want to let God lead you. He knows where the next step is. And just take that next step. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3. He had been saved and ministering for years. And he said, I've not arrived. I'm not perfected. But he said, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
And we learn a great lesson from Paul's writings there. All you have to do is press for that next mark. Don't worry about five years necessarily or 10 years or 20 years. Where's the next mark? Where's the next place that God wants to take you? What's the next goal? And as you approach that and you get to, and you accomplish that, then I promise you he'll give you the next one and then the next one and the next one. And you'll look around. If Jesus tarries his coming, you'll look around some years from now and you'll say, my goodness, where God has brought me from. Look what the Lord has done. And you'll be able to sing that chorus we were singing earlier. He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. It won't be just a little jingle. That'll be your testimony. I sure can say that today. He's done so much for me, I can't tell it all. Father, speak to hearts right now. You see what we need. You see where we need to be. Guide us, lead us, and show people right now. May they have a witness within, the Holy Ghost on the inside bearing witness with their spirit this is the way walk ye in it this is the pathway I've chosen for you this is where you need to go (coughs) and this is where you will end up if you follow me and be faithful Lord maybe somebody right now needs confirmation deal with their heart right now I pray There are many paths that men walk upon. There are many vocations they pursue, many ideas, and many are the plans in the minds of men. But I, saith the Lord, have an individual, unique, custom plan for your life. Let me speak to you. Reach out unto me, says the Lord. And allow my spirit to flow through you, to pray through you, to speak through you. And allow my spirit to enlighten your mind from your spirit back up to your mind that you'll have the picture. You'll see and you'll know what to say and you'll know what to do and you will begin. You may not see every step now and you may not see the full ending now. But you'll just see the next step. For I've declared in my word, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so the next step is a step of faith. It's in a direction you may not fully understand. It's toward a place that you might not be fully aware of at the moment. But you just know the next step. And as you take it by faith, I will get you where you need to be, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know what that next step may be for somebody. It might be committing to serving in the ministry. It might be church membership. It might be water baptism. It might be a commitment to somebody that you love. It might be a marriage. It, it might be, I don't know. 
business situation, an investment. But the Holy Ghost has wisdom to give to you. The Holy Ghost can show you the way. And if you're here today and you say, I don't even know the Lord or I'm not right with God, then your next step is to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. I believe that Jesus died for me. I want to be born again. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to serve the devil. I want to serve God. It's very simple. But it won't happen unless you decide, unless you receive, unless you accept. Anybody need to do that today? If you lift your hand, we'd pray with you now. Maybe somebody's watching. Just need to ask Jesus into your life. 